We're closing down the uh, series today called Mass Exodus. And truly, I get a little bored with my own stuff, which don't answer or laugh or not. Uh, after about four weeks or five weeks, like, can we go on? And like, anyway, this is about the longest series we've had in a long time, eight weeks. If you made it through here, uh, the whole eight weeks, uh, you get to go to heaven, and that's awesome. And uh, if you, mi- you missed a couple, well, the, you know, just give a little bit more, you'll be fine. Um, but we're really glad you're here, and, and uh, we're going to close this down today, taking a look at, uh, right, is like last weekend, we, it was the worst night in Egypt's history. The angel of death had made its way through the entire nation. The firstborn son of every home uh, uh, died as if they didn't put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost, right? So this is a horrible night for Egypt. Great night for Israel. And finally, in the middle of the night, Pharaoh says they can go. And there is no hesitation for the nation of Israel. They get the okay to leave and they are prepared. They have not, everything's packed and ready. We do not want Pharaoh to change his mind. He has changed his mind multiple times. And we're leaving. Check this out. Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. Interesting, right? Because God doesn't always lead us through the shortest path. You probably understand that. You probably get that, right? Because we tend to think, hey, let's take the shortcut. How many of us have taken shortcuts in life and it's always been like, ah, why did we, we shortcut ourselves all the time? So here's the patience time with God. Hey, God, can you just get me to this place quicker? He said, well, I can, but I kind of like the view over here, right? God says, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Interesting. So God led them around about way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus, the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear to do this. God will certainly come to help you. When he does, you must take my bones with you from this place. I think that's fascinating, right? Remember, Joseph is the guy that got everything started in Egypt. He had been sold into slavery by his brothers and eventually rises to the top of the food chain in Egypt. And he takes care of the Israelite people and everybody's doing great. And Israel enjoys great freedom for a long time. But then... There was a Pharaoh who did not remember or know Joseph and began to enslave the Israelites. Now, I tell you, it's like, well, think about that. Think, how important is Joseph to the life of the Israelites? 400 years after he dies, somebody still has got his bones. Who's keeping that? Where do they defile? Where is that? You know, uh, it's your job to watch those. Okay. Right? And so somebody had been taking care of Joseph's bones for 400 years. Finally, they get to leave. And Moses makes sure, right? Moses himself makes sure that we're going to take the bones of Joseph with us to the promised land. Quickly, they leave. But where do they go? Exodus 13, verse 20. The Israelites left Sakoth and camped at Etham. On the edge of the wilderness, the Lord went ahead of them. 
He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud and provided a light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or night. But the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. An amazing display of comfort and strength is that God's going to lead them, right? With a p- little pillar. I, mean, I don't even know. It, you know, we, we, we watch the movies and, and all that kind of stuff. This is fascinating to me. And again, uh, reminds us that God will lead us. Now, I don't know if you want a pillar. I think it'd be great to have a little pillar of you know, like a little cloud, uh, maybe a little, like when you go out at night. Now, see, most of us don't want that. There's times when I just don't want God leading me. I mean, there's, Sundays are okay, right? I, I don't mind God, a little little cloud here leading us to church. That's a great idea, you know, and, and maybe even for lunch. But after that, I kind of would like that little cloud just to go back somewhere else. Certainly want, don't, I don't necessarily want his cloud following me around on Saturday night or Friday night. I, I, I want some freedom. I don't want him going to college with me. I don't really need him to go with me to prom. I, I really don't need him, right? Think about it. If God was to go with us to prom, how would that go? <sighs> really? At the same time. Actually, I think it would go better. I think it would go better. I think if, if I knew that God was like, over here, let's, okay, now just all I have to do is just follow him. I think my life would go better. How many of us could say that for sure? Like if I would have followed him, or if, he, if there would have been a little cloud, a fo- I could follow him, wherever, and I was committed to following him wherever he would take me. And see, when, it's when I veer off the path, when I decide to go my own way, that's when things get sideways with me. If only, how many of us have led, if only I would have fought, instead of rejecting him or disregarding his instructions, he's constantly leading us. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows and leads me Where? Beside peaceful streams, he renews my strength and guides. Here it is, leads and guides me along right, right path. He will never guide me around wrong paths. Oh, huh. bringing honor to his name. And even when I walk through the valley, uh, I, I will not be afraid. Why? For you are right beside me as if you're a little pillar, of cl- like there's a little cloud there. He's right with me. Bringing comfort and strength. It's no wonder we love that psalm. When I was a kid in church, we sang this song. He leadeth me, O blessed thought. O words with heavenly comfort fraught. Whate'er I do, where'er I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. And sometimes he does lead me through a dark valley. That's comforting as well. If his presence with, was not with me during a, the darkest moments of my life, it would be more painful, more stressful, more sorrowful. Strength in the middle of weakness. He leads me. And he leads me through. Psalm 32, verse 8 says, The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. Huh. 
would have thought? Well, of course. Why would he lead me down a wrong path? He would never lead me down a wrong path. That's why it's like, it's, I think it's super important that we would get a glimpse of his leadership in my life. I will advise you and watch over you. And again, we might not like the idea that he's around me, that he would lead me. But God has a plan for my life. How do I know if God is leading? How do I know? know when I, we just sang that. It's like, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Uh, should I stay or should I go? I don't know. I mean, how do we know? How, how are we supposed to know? What is, how did God lead us? Isaiah chapter 64, verse 4. For since the world began, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. Sometimes we, have to just, we just have to wait, which is the most frustrating thing there is. Isaiah 40, verse 31, But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength, and they will soar high on wings like eagles, and they will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not be faint. Psalm 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and He turned to me and heard my cry and lifted me out of the pit of despair out of the mud and the mire and set me feet, my feet on solid ground and set in me as I walked along. When Abraham and his wife were told that they would have a child, they had to wait. In fact, they waited so long that when the promise finally was realized, they laughed about it. It was ridiculous. Some of, some of us are in a waiting moment right now. And when God provides the answer for us, we'll probably laugh about it. Sometimes the call of God is to move, in, move right now. In, in, in fact, we, I think most of the time, God calls us to move at the exact moment, right? He's like, hey, when you get around to it, or when you think about it, or, or maybe next year, it's, it's, I truly believe that most of the time, the call of God in my life and His direction on my life is immediate. When God told Abraham to go sacrifice his, his son, it was now is the, is the time. And Abraham immediately, I mean, he didn't wait around. Matthew uh, chapter 8, verse 22, Jesus told him, follow me now. Follow me now. Not follow me tomorrow. Follow me now. Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. So how do you know? How do you know what to do? Which direction God wants us to go? First of all, I I think the, the, the the little cloud, right, is God's word. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. His word will always show us the way. Prayer helps lead the way as well. Prayer begins to align our will with the will of God. That's why the Lord told us that, right? It's like, your will be done, right? Not my will, but your, your, here I want, you know, as it is in heaven. If when you pray and you do all this talking, uh, you, if, in fact, if, if you do all the talking during prayer, rarely will you sense the direction of God. Rarely will you sense His direction. What do you mean by that? I, I think sometimes it, it, during, during a time when I go to God in prayer, I, just, I need to be quiet. Prayer is a conversation that we have. Well, am I going to hear a voice? Pr- probably not. Do I get some promptings? Absolutely. 
Is it, uh, again, I've used this before and I still use this in my life and I encourage you to use this. I think one of the things that you could say is when it comes, when it comes to my relationship with my wife, what would you like to tell me today? Be prepared for an answer. He will answer you. Oh, yeah. When it comes to my relationship with my girlfriend, what do you want to say to me today? When it comes to my relationship with my money, uh, what would you like to say to me today? And then just pause and let him talk. And by the way, those promptings will never contradict his word. They will never, it's like he's not going to tell you, hey, when it comes to my relationship with my wife, what do you want me to do today? I don't know, uh, maybe you should just divorce her. That ain't going to happen. He's not going to say that to you. It won't go, it, he will not you, contradict his word that he has already said. He can't do it. It was always a line up with what the word is. So let him speak. Test those promptings against the word of God. God does have his own time, but be ready when he says go. God is patient. But when he says go, we need to go. So the nation of Israel leaves. They're on their way. Exodus chapter 14, verse 5. When the word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed, surprisingly changed their mind. Once again, can, can I, think about it. The worst of the worst possible thing has happened to their home. To their nation. You would just think that they want them to be gone. What have we done letting all those Israelite slaves get away? So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops and took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces of Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots and his charioteers and his troops. And the Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they camped beside the shore near uh, Phi-Harathoth and across from Belzephon. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. And they cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have we done? Uh, what have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we're still in Egypt? Leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than the corpse in the wilderness. Super crazy, right? Pharaoh changes his mind after the devastation to his country and family. He's still unwilling to surrender to God's will. I know you think that, well, that doesn't happen. It happens all the time. I've watched people who have been defiant to God. And even though the worst of the worst possible things have happened in their life, and it's cost them dearly in their life, they still remain defiant. It's cost them relationship with their kids. It cost them relationship with their marriage. It cost them pain. So much so that you would think they would stop. But they changed their mind. So Pharaoh gets his army together. Revenge is on their mind. They're going to make them come back. More craziness. And the Israelites, right? They see what's going on. 
They understand that there's a, an army coming after them and they really have no way to protect them. They had been slaves for hundreds of years. They had not been making swords. They had not been making shields. They had been making bricks. They don't have a weapon among them. And so they are sitting ducks. They are going to be in trouble and they're going to be destroyed. They know nothing of winning. They, know all, they only know defeat. They've never won. They're slaves. Of course they're going to say, let's just go back. Let's just go back. We had it better off there. It'd be better just to be a slave than to be a corpse. Are you kidding me? To go back to slavery? To go back to the abuse? Unfortunately, this happens all the time. Oftentimes in an abusive relationship, we see people go back to it over. It's just what you know. It's just what you're, it's like even though you hate it, you go back to the abuse of, of, of alcohol, even though you hate what it does to you, you just go back to it. You go back to an abusive relationship it's just, or, or, or the stupidity of, of poor decisions and you just keep putting yourself back right you get delivered from that it's like i'm going to change i'm going to change i'm going to change and i get delivered from it and then a little bit of pressure and a little bit of stress and we revert right back to the same place we were before it's a dangerous and dark we go back to what's familiar, even though it's abusive. In John chapter 8, verse 11, we see this fascinating story of Jesus and a woman. She had been caught in the act of adultery. And Jesus says, you know, and, and this, we love this story, right? It's amazing. And, and Jesus asks her, where are your accusers? And, and, you know, all that stuff. And says, no, Lord. And Jesus, and, and so who's accusing? And Jesus said, I don't go and sin no more. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So if you follow me, right? Once again, he's leading. If, if you decide to follow me, you will have light, right? In the darkness. So like, how am I supposed to get around in the dark? I have to follow him. And so if we don't do that, the reality is we're going right back into the dark world we just came from. So Jesus tells this woman, right, I'm not going to accuse you and I'm not throwing rocks and nobody's throwing rocks today, but you should not do this anymore. Go and leave your life of sin, right? Don't go back. We don't know what happens to this woman. It's quite possible that she did, but we would think that, and we'd like to think that she would have been delivered, right? She had been delivered from death that day. She's given a chance of life. The thought that she would go on to a better life, a different life, a, a life filled with joy and discover that, right? And we'd love to play out that story where, where uh, she, she leaves this life and she goes back home to her husband and fixes everything and gets things right and everything looks wonderful. But you and I know that oftentimes the story is completely different. Even though we might have been given a second chance or a third chance, why do we keep going back to the life? 
Because those words are so powerful. Don't go back, right? Leave your life of sin. This will destroy you. Don't go back to the way things were. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. (laughs) Calm down. I don't know if that's easy for Moses to say, right? It's like, okay. But think about this, right? All throughout the 10 plagues, the nation of Israel has watched this. They've watched what he can do. God not only was answering for Pharaoh, who was the Lord that, that I should obey him, but those, that was being answered for the Israelites as well. Who is the Lord that we should obey him? Well, he keeps doing right, he keeps delivering, and he and he's got us out of here. And so now all we have to do is just stay calm and wait. And the Lord's gonna fight for us. Don't be afraid. You will see the deliverance once again. Don't look back. Don't go back. All throughout the Bible, over and over again, God tells us not to be afraid. Why why does he have to do that? Well, we live in constant fear. That is why most of the time we make really bad choices. Fear is what drives us into bad choices. The Israelites had a reason. I think they had a reasonable fear, by the way. I think that was reasonable. They're in trouble. Big army, lots of weapons, no army, no weapons. Yep. Fear, I, I fear again, is reasonable. No, no, it's right? It's, this is reasonable fear. But when God says, hey, just tell them, don't be afraid. I'll fight for them. I'm working on that. Uh, usually in those moments, we see God work his plan and then he does only what he can do god does only what right moses couldn't do anything at this moment he couldn't do he he couldn't save the people the people couldn't even save themselves so god does what only god can do and he parts the waters we love this thing right crazy cool and they're they're stuck he provides a way out i love this part Exodus chapter 14, verse 29. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Isn't that great, right? Their sandals don't even get muddy. Because that has ticked off a lot of moms, right? Like, don't get your sandals muddy. We just got them. So God even takes care of that, right? They don't even have to worry about getting their feet dirty. How, I don't even know how that right? But because in Nebraska, like if you're going to a lake, you're going to get it's just like the first few steps right into the sludge. And what is mom's like? Are those your new shoes? You might want to keep walking. I thought he was going to part the sea. No, he ain't going to part the sea check this out 
That is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power of the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant, Moses. He makes their path clear. He makes their path smooth. And he makes their path dry. He holds the Egyptians back and when it was safe for the Israelite people to move forward and the Egyptians then rush in, the fate is sealed and God delivers the nation of Israel. And they are free at last. And they put their trust in God and in their leader. Remember when we first found Moses on the run, a murderer, a a stutterer, an avoider of God's will? Right? He, he, had, he had done the worst possible thing to a human being, taken his life. He's on the run. God finds him 40 years later in a little valley, taking a look at some little sheep. And he says, I, I need you to do this. And Moses stutters his way through a conversation and can't get it done. In a little bit of time, he leads a nation out of despair. God still can and God still does use people make a difference when we finally say yes to him perhaps through this series you've been asking the same question that pharaoh asked who is this jesus really now we can ask who is this jesus that i should follow him Hmm. i think that's a great question who is who who is your god that i should follow him perhaps today you will say God is God and I am not. And the path that I keep finding myself in and the place I keep finding myself in is full of abuse and darkness and destruction. I need to be free. Will you follow him? Where he says, to go, you'll go. Let's pray. Father God, my prayer for our church today is that we won't be afraid. And that we will watch the Lord. We will watch you deliver us. We just need to stay calm. So today, here and now, perhaps there would be some folks who would decide to follow you.